You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Palindo. How's it going? Well, this is definitely not coffee. Definitely not coffee? Because I'm definitely not pregnant anymore. Congrats on your empty uterus. (laughs) Speaking of which, my nephew said the other day, I want to see baby Nova come out of Auntie Mumu's gina. He's four. He's the best. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, I love toddlers. That's amazing. Purity of a toddler. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. All right. Time to get triggered by the talk talk. Time to get triggered. We're talking about keeping your cool, which is an American saying, which means keep it together. Try not to lose it. (laughs) So let's talk about that feeling where you feel like you're suddenly getting hijacked, where in that moment you get that wave of stress or you get that wave of anger and all of a sudden you feel like you're not controlling your emotions anymore. They're controlling you. Oh, Feel triggered yet? Bring me back to that moment that I love so much in my life. The question that I get a lot from people is they'll say, why do I feel so out of control? Why is this taking over so much? As a human, we are wired biologically to react to that overwhelming emotion. We have this fight or flight response. Or freeze too. Can we throw that one in there? Anybody? Um, We could, yeah. We have these visceral responses. Mm -hmm. And when we get these responses, most people I talk to say, I don't want that. No, thank you. Yeah. I would like to not have that sudden feeling take over and occupy whatever I was doing is now gone. And that's what I'm doing now. Historically speaking, this response is a good thing because if you're being attacked by an animal or you're- It keeps, it you, keeps safe. you safe, theoretically. Yeah. So you're protecting your food sources, your home or whatever. And now we sort of are in this civilized society and we're like, I don't think I want the fight or flight response so much. Yeah. Yeah. Wignall says that our emotional system is hardwired to act quickly and strongly in response to emotion. When we're angry, we fight back. When we're afraid, we run. Hmm. Oh, okay. But it's not you are one or the other, you're flight or fight. It depends on what your trigger is. You can be Mm -hmm. both. Oh, yeah. Whatever it was is related to the response that you have. But the problem that we're talking about is doesn't sound like you're in control any longer. It's this automatic response that we're trying to figure out. So we have these overwhelming feelings at times. We get hot under the collar. Mm-hmm. We get bothered. We get irritated. We get angry. The emotions control us. Your eyes well up sometimes, maybe. Anybody else yeah. out there? Boy, that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. That heart racing, eyes welling. Ah, you can see my emotion. I can't hide it any longer. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's crazy, right? So we can all kind of think of stories. So I thought of this one story and it's actually related to the two of you. Thanks. So the Uh-oh. first semester <laughs> that I met you. Uh-huh. This I was have- Meredith. Oh, no. <laughs> Meredith's fault. I already know. It's Meredith's fault and yeah. she didn't pass the test or something, right? That's what it is. What? I'm kidding. Okay, so the first semester when I was teaching at the institution where I met you, they automatically do a review of you the first semester because you're new, right? Everybody has it. So they said, we we need your information for the review. And I was like, that's fine. They said, you need to give us your syllabus and then you need to provide a few other papers. So I said, okay, no problem. Now, back where I came from, and I'd already taught 20 years by this point, 
Where I came from, a syllabus was different than a calendar. There's like a course calendar that tells you what the plan is, when the tests are, that kind of thing. And then there's a syllabus that tells you about the class, the contract for the class. Okay. I turn in my syllabus, just like they say. Six weeks later or so, I get my review. And they say, you're doing a great job, but you seem to not have any plan at all for teaching. (laughs) What? So it seems like it would be a good idea. not have a plan? Yeah, what? Okay, I know. I was reading it. I'm just welling up with, I'm so getting, getting so mad because one of the values I have as a teacher is being organized, right? So it said things like, you should tell your students when the tests are rather than not let them know. You should tell them when the class sessions are and maybe tell them what topics you're talking about. And I was like, I am going to, I'm going to go bananas because I would have included it. I had it. I didn't know that they thought that was part of the syllabus. Okay. So I just was like, ah, it didn't, I didn't get a bad rating because of it, but there was a long explanation of why organization is an important principle for teachers. And I had already taught 20 years. I was like, who do I punch? (laughs) Okay. I love it. That's a story that I thought of today. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. Cause it was when I met you. So this is like the, who do I punch story? This is what I'm going to call this now. Like the moment you have like, who do I punch? Yeah. (laughs) Throat chop. That might be my method of choice, but (laughs) no, I was, it was crazy. What about you guys? Did you have something today? I mean, you have little kids. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Wait, when I (laughs) thought of this, I was trying to think what is the initial thing that makes me angry or stressed and then what's the reason behind it get to the root cause of what's really bothering me currently what makes me most angry is one brother hurting the other brother Mm. but then i like tried to take a step back and realize besides the fact of causing harm to a child it's that i'm failing right so i've i Mm. failed to teach this one kid to do what's right and i failed to protect the other one comes back Mm. to You're failing always, failing always. So that was kind of, I guess, like what was making me angry right now is a little toddler poking someone in the face. And okay, we've gone over these rules. We don't touch heads. We don't, we're gentle and soft. We know the rules. We say the rules every day, but somehow they are not followed. Um, Yeah. So that was kind of what I was thinking or stress came back to unveiling that was basically letting people down because I like really get stressed when I'm late to something, mm-hmm. which feels like I'm letting someone down or procrastinating. I'm not a procrastinator, mm-hmm. but I married one. So that's fun. <laughs> so then and your you friend can... is one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Doing our projects together, Mary. That was so fun. I think we were, I think we were a good balance. I think yeah. I was the neurotic crazy person and you were like, yeah, but here's the content we got it done. So we're good. <laughs> No, I, I mean that in, a, in a, an actual compliment. Okay, great. On group projects, we we're not cheaters. <laughs> Dr. Gaze is plugging her ears now. She's like, I'm like, I can't. No, 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 no. Oh, goodness. So I thought of a range of, I tried to go through my mind, what are examples or stories where I've felt that rush, that out of control thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I have two ranges that I thought of. So I will cheat as I do per usual and give, well, Taylor, you told a kid more than yeah, one story. So, you sure. know, it's fine. So the first one I came up with just like that gut, who am I going to punch like that mm-hmm. thing? So my sister is almost nine years younger than me. And I was like in my early twenties. So old enough to know better, but <laughs> a girl was not kind to her and said something oh. not kind about her physically. And I saw this child on a playground and thought about hurting her. <laughs> 
think I had this hot, felt that hot feeling, you know, and I was with yeah. my mom. I think I remember I was actually in the car when I saw her and I told my mom she had to lock the car doors because I couldn't, I was like, I think I might not be able to control myself, whether mm. it's going to be physical or verbal. Like I want to be awful to this child and I'm in my twenties. Like this is so inappropriate, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? Um, so that was my first that hot out of almost out of body. Like I have to tell myself to stop to have this conversation with myself. That was like the rage side. Mm-hmm. The other one was I thought of was being more childlike or wanting so badly to be heard or listened to. Right. I've had good think of a range of relationships where that happens. For me, I was thinking more of parent to child, but also romantic relationship in my past. That was more of a negative one where I mm-hmm. wanted so badly to, to be listened to. And it was when in both of these people and my example, just walked away while I was talking. Mm. Like you were a human. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly that feeling. And that was for me. It's again, that super hot feeling, but then my eyes, like I can't resist it. I don't want them to well up. And that's the last person I want to see that had me do that with. But Mm -hmm. I remember just like my eyes, the the stories I'm thinking of in my head where my eyes just completely welled up. Why? And you can't, you're totally yeah. out of control. There's like no stopping it, but then you can't call them back because now they see you crying. <laughs> <laughs> so trapped so, there. Yeah. Even thinking about it makes me, or maybe it's hormones and the fact that uh, drinking a beer and have a newborn, but you know, it makes me feel really warm thinking about it. <laughs> you're getting mad now and all I of a sudden know. the mic gets punched. Yeah. Who am I going to punch? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my so I don't goodness. know if that's relatable, but so what I'm curious about though. Yeah. Talk, talk, OB1. Is there nothing we can do about the sensation that you're saying this out of body, out of control thing? Or are we stuck with this? <laughs> yes and no, I would okay. say. I think the initial sensation is we can't do anything about. That's the onset of this emotional experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a way to stop that. I would love to plan my life so that that doesn't happen. Plan, there's, okay. There's no way to do that. So you can't plan your way out of it, I don't think. I love what Mark Brackett says, and and remember, he's the author of Permission to Feel, and he says this quote, I think Mike Tyson had it right when he said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. (laughs) Brackett continues and says, what's true in the boxing ring is true everywhere else. It's easy to say that from now on, we'll master our emotional responses until our significant other or child or neighbor or boss triggers us with one word or a look and all our training goes out of the window. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have any suggestions here, of course, on this episode, but we do want to acknowledge what you're saying, Meredith, which is, can we just get rid of this part of being human? Wouldn't that be nice? And the answer is, I don't think we can. I think we're stuck with it. Okay. So just recently, two times, maybe in this last week, something just flew out of my mouth and I was like, wow, that's, (laughs) that was surprising. That's what they talk about when you're like, think after you're speaking, it doesn't happen to me often. I was like, yeah, what are these strategies? If we're not going to be able to not do it, do we have strategies? How do we keep it in, cool it down? I don't know. Help me. Oh, I love that. Keep it in, cool it down. Um, I mean, this is about (laughs) keeping our cool, right? Yeah. So there's actually a few strategies. And the good news is, as I kind of research for this episode, there's a lot of agreement actually on it. Oh, so. Yeah. The first thing that that I would say is common among several people, brackets, some others, as they're talking about, you know, what to do here. The first suggestion is don't try to outrun the emotion. So you got to stop and notice the sensation. Brene Brown talks about this. She says people try to numb these emotions, especially when they're negative, because who wants to feel those things? 
So we'll get to that in a minute because I'm not saying it's fun. Yeah. Okay. Racket would say it's necessary. He says, instead of numbing or outrunning it, stop for a minute, notice what it is. I really adopted, I would say in the last 10 years or so, I definitely do this, this strategy. I have a thing I call my presence and absence test that I say to myself. This is the moment where you get a sensation where you know you're feeling something, but I'm not entirely sure about it. Maybe you have sick in your gut. Okay. And that's a tough one, right? Because you're like, I want to notice it, but I don't even know what's going on. So what I do is I ask myself a series of questions. So I'll say, okay, so what is this? When did this start? When wasn't I experiencing it? And how am I feeling it now? So that's my presence and absence test. Because what happens I'll find in that sequence is that I'll experience this sickness in my gut or something like that. And I'll go back through the things that happened right before that feeling onset happened. And I can identify where that came from more easily because I went through the sequence of when it was present and when it was absent. Okay. That's kind of my strategy. And that's one of the big recommendations of many of the researchers in this area. First tip, notice the sensation. Try to figure out what's going on with it. Now, so the second like, one is the really common one. What were you going to say, Taylor? That's checking in with your body, the physical. Yeah. Okay. Checking in. You're not doing the full identification necessarily, but just understanding something's going on. And okay. we're going to stop and acknowledge it and try to see what's there for a sec. So it's the like ability an initial to do that is not just innate. That's like a, it feels like you have to like, I'm thinking of like a sports analogy or like getting in shape. It sounds like something you have to train. Practice, I need yeah. to train my mind to do this. This is not just going to be yeah. the gut thing that happens when I have this reaction. Yeah. So, okay. 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 The second strategy they talk about is to work on the de-escalation of your body response. A lot of people say breathe. <laughs> I take a giant breath. Yeah, she <laughs> she's already triggered, so she's okay. taking a giant breath okay. right now. It's funny because as we're talking about this research, I think a lot of people think, oh, breathe, kind of like calm down. And that's not actually why we breathe. Calm so, down. You can't handle that one. So you got to breathe. Yeah, that, that doesn't down. help anyone, <laughs> right? Keep their cool. Hey, don't lose it. The thing to remember is that when you and I get this sensation, it has triggered our sympathetic nervous system response. That's that response that says, oh my gosh, something's going on that triggers that fight or flight that we talked about earlier. What we need though, is we don't need more agitation. We need less agitation. What the researchers say is you got to trigger the other response, the parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. How do you do that? One of the fastest ways to do it is to take some deep breaths. Bracket also says you can count to 10. You can do something that will slow that down. Identify the emotion, number one, and then two, try to de-escalate that physical reaction going on. Okay. Okay. And as you're doing that, then you're going to have the opposite response. Now, the really good news after that is if you can start taking it the parasympathetic nervous system way, you're going to drop your cortisol levels. And that's also very good. Cortisol levels are the stre like stress hormone. Yeah, right? we're, we're starting to drop the things that are getting us all triggered. It's actually okay. the science behind keeping it cool. <laughs> how, do like cool how do you the do that? The science behind keeping it cool. <laughs> or keeping your excited. cool, right? <laughs> Bracket calls these moments meta moments where it's like you pump the emotional brakes for a second and you say, okay, I've got these onset of this strong emotion occurring. Let me give it a second to try to redirect the body response to de-escalating, essentially. That's a good thing. Okay. You ready for a third strategy? Please. 
It's not going to surprise you that we're going to reframe this. <laughs> I love that word. One of our favorites. We reframe everything on this right podcast, here. I think. Because we're emotional people who sometimes think, a phrase I like to say, <laughs> because of that, we all tell ourselves stories that screw us up or we have unproductive thinking patterns. When we have these patterns in place, we start thinking like, I should be a better mother than this. I'm a professor. I should be able to solve this. Mm -hmm. I'm X years old. I should be able to handle this. And what happens is we start to almost judge ourselves negatively rather than acknowledge this isn't because you're good or bad at any of those things. It's because there's a disconnect or something happened or the flight was canceled or whatever the problem was. Because the reality is about the story I told about the syllabus and the calendar, the real truth is I'm not a bad teacher or so dumb. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the information. Hmm. No one told me. And when I asked around, everyone said, of course you put the calendar. And I thought, you're all in the same culture. Why am I asking you people? <laughs> I'm the one that came from out of town. I'm new here. I didn't know. And it's not because I'm bad. But sometimes we have to go back in and say, hey, be careful about adding shame or guilt or some of these messages that screw you up. Why is your kid poking your other kid in the eye? Because they're being dumb. <laughs> they're three. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I think it's a challenge and it's an interesting thing yeah. for us to stop, do a check-in, be careful about that negative framing. That's going to take us the other direction again and move the body back to escalating, right? Because we're going to mm -hmm. feel bad. And then we're going to feel bad about feeling bad. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. love that one. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> just getting kind of reframed on what it is and understanding some of these things are just simple mistakes. I mean, that, that is the reality. How did we get here? Because no one told me. That's how we got here. Okay, so the last one is the one that everyone will hate the most. <laughs> oh. And that is to right validate in. rather than trying to escape from the emotion. So this is when we start to sit with it a little bit. So we're not trying to numb it. We're not trying to get away. But we want to actually feel the feeling or the experience the emotions. You ready to run, Tay? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> you got to go now? Okay, so the podcast is over. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about this related to grief, which is something mm -hmm. that I think all of us experience and don't wish to sit in. Yeah. It's just not fun to sit in it. The thing that we want to think about here is how important it is for us to feel those feelings so they don't have that mastery over us. So Wignall says this interesting comment here. The problem is that whenever you fight or run, run away from those things, your brain fear centers learns to be afraid of that thing. So when we're trying to escape or get rid of our feelings, we teach our brain to be afraid of our emotions. In the long run, Wignall says, this leads to becoming in increasingly reactive emotionally. So if we experience grief, for example, and we run away from it every time we feel it, he's saying that's not just unexperienced emotion, but you're training your brain to be afraid of grief. You'll react more significantly or maybe poorly the more and more you do that. So you're getting, I mean, he says that. Yeah. He like says that too. Training. Yeah. It's like, sort of like training your brain. When we have this, we run. So when we can't we have, ignore this one. Well, and I, I think about some of us were raised with parents that say, we don't talk about this or we, we're not going to mm -hmm. experience this. I'm not trying to call any parents out. I'm just saying this happens though, yeah. where people are told, Hey, don't, don't go there. Don't, don't get into that. Or even not told, but just like, you know, like, shh, on this yeah, in the house, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a knowing sometimes in the house. Right. 
So okay. Okay. those are the four strategies. So we identify, we, wait, was it? We identify, we, I love it. We de-escalate. I know reframe is in there and then reframe. Okay. okay. Identify, breathe. If we keep breathe, it all in one Okay. Word. Pause it. Yeah. Identify, pause, reframe, reframe. And sit then in it. sit and in then it. accept. <laughs> is that like a stage? Oh, I like that. I think acceptance actually is a great word there. That's really good. All right. So if all, right. all of this is like a retraining of ourselves, right? Or a, a training it's day one, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, you swing it, whether you're retraining or training, it, it's going to take work. So do you think it's possible <laughs> for people that are older to learn this new way of training mm. themselves? And also, mm. what if someone really lacks this? What is the impact of someone lacking the ability to keep their cool have on the next group, like their kids or the next generation. Mm. So the first part, can someone learn this? I believe people can. Now that does not surprise anyone because I have a podcast. I teach at a university. My whole <laughs> career is built on the idea that people can improve. We are not cynical people over here. So <laughs> I'm going to say absolutely. And I, I, the research suggests, right? The research suggests yeah. that people can get retrained. The hard thing though is you have to kind of think about it. You said training versus retraining. It doesn't matter what we call it. Yeah. It's having a new normal, you know, okay. putting that in place. And the challenge will be, of course, is if you have deeply rooted patterns that you are retraining. Okay. So I think that's a tough part. Would it be harder later in life to learn some of this? Probably. But I think it can be learned. But I think we have to be realistic. It's sort of like if you think about it related to physical fitness, if you're very out of shape, it's going to be a little rougher in the gym than if you're in partway shape. Yeah. That's what I would say. Now, the kid one is interesting, too, because we know that children follow, you know, what their parents do. They, it's their education. We could say the child's always collecting data about behavior. Mm -hmm. And I know I, I scare the two of you by saying that because you're like, oh, my God. My behavior, right? That's a tough part of parenting, of course. But I think that is a really good idea for us to say, well, wait, that gives us a reason to maybe study this and say, I want to be a good emotional trainer to my children to model identifying it and de-escalating my body response and slowing it yeah. down a little bit to reframe it and getting rid of stories I tell myself that aren't accurate and then experiencing the emotion so that it, I can release it versus this trying to ignore or put these patterns in that are not going to be productive for children. For anyone listening who says, gosh, I've botched this or I've been terrible in this area, I don't know that in the emotional area any of us say, I have the gold medal. You know, most of us are like, yeah, I made it through that one again and I barely skidded in here, you know, safe. <laughs> and what I would say is be really compassionate with yourself. It's just about what you want to do tomorrow. I don't spend a lot of time on yesterday. I mean, I do spend time on yesterday thinking about maybe some ways to improve, but I don't dwell on it. And that's what I would say. If you have any regret or, or thoughts about maybe mishandling things, we've all mishandled them. So instead, let's start looking at some of these strategies and kind of think about ways that we can change tomorrow. Because that's what we really have. We have the ability to write the rest of the story. Yeah, this is a tough one. But important, and and we have some strategies now. It's yeah, true. I like these tools though. So it's can can you say them one more time? It's identify. Yeah. So we notice the sensation. 
Don't outrun yeah. it. Notice it. Deescalate your body response. Breathe. Fastest way to do that is to breathe. <laughs> Reframe. Reframe the situation. Get rid of unproductive thinking. And then sit with the emotion. Notice I said sit with it, but you're not camping out and living there forever. So you're sitting with it enough to validate it and say, okay, so I had this evaluation. I really didn't like how it went down. I'm feeling very disappointed or whatever my feeling is that I've identified. And I'm going to hang with that for a little bit of time so that it can be over. I watched a video on what to do when you're angry. And one of the, the suggestions was write down what's making you angry so mm -hmm. that you can kind of see in a week, is this going to matter mm. in a month? Is this going to matter in a year? Is this going to matter? And it's like, yeah, maybe tomorrow I'll be still angry in a week, but probably not in a year, you know, like the smaller things. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's what this sitting in it is. It's like, okay, we acknowledge this, but we're not living here. We're going to like, yeah. does it matter? Can we move on from it? Is that sort of maybe? A yeah, I think it's great. That's an interesting part of the educational process. So I love that because it reframes it in a way to resize it as a conflict or it resize it as an emotion. Yeah. If we say it's probably not going to matter two months from now, it's a lot smaller than if it's catastrophic today, you know, right? And we've all had that situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Sounds like I have some uh, retraining to do of my brain. Retraining, but you've got that little one that you can model all these great strategies for. It's that science experiment, you know? <laughs> the firstborn? <laughs> is that what our kids yeah. are? The firstborn is a science experiment. Sorry to my firstborn. <laughs> No, but really, this is going to be a good retraining and good for my little science experiment. Yes, that's right. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.